passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock, back here with Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John, how you doing? How are you feeling? I'm doing. I'm much better, significantly better. So, uh, thank you. I I appreciate your uh, uh, handling uh, certain shows, so, some of which I had I had scheduled to be off regardless. Uh, and then Monday night, uh, I, I was tapping after we had recorded two shows. I would have. I, I was asleep before Raw was over, so that was my Monday night. Can't oh, say I was complaining. Great. It was it was kind of nice. Uh, will not lie. I'm happy to hear you uh, took full advantage of a Monday night off. Yes, it was one of those where I, uh, yeah, it, it helped to have the 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 added added sleep. You know, fluids, sleep. It it helps every now and then. All you need, really. Yes, I listened. To, I listened back to Ask Away, and that mm-hmm. was recorded Monday afternoon. Dude, my voice sounds like I'm like a chain smoker. If you listen. I thought you held up all right, you know. It, it didn't. I, I didn't have any throat issues, but my voice definitely sounded. It, it's still not uh, perfect, but I, I feel a million times better than I did. Um, so, Sunday was a real struggle doing that TNA show, but mm-hmm. here we are. Uh, people get sick. We we move forward. Um, how are you? Doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, had a bit of a nap this afternoon, so I nice. certainly felt like I needed it. But uh, yeah, feeling good. You know, I did a daily news update with Bruce Lord this afternoon, Nate yesterday. So I want to thank both of those guys. Uh, but we also had some contribution from you, of course, John, this afternoon, because you had a chance to go to the Collision Conference, didn't you? I did. I went to the Collision Conference, which um, is like, um, I'm trying to describe what this would be. It would be like your uh, your spam folder was all represented by booths. At, at one conference, it's just really? um, a million different companies represented. There were so many people at this, um, but there was always tech focused, right? Yes. Yes. Tech focused of um, just, you know, tons of really interesting like panels going on and they're all short. They're like 20 minute panels and you kind of just, um, you know, it, it serves as like for, for networking. They do a really great job of like linking you up with people that, you know, you want to speak with that reach out. They have this whole uh, online uh, network setup. Anyway, uh, I was going there because uh, Tony Khan was going to be speaking on Tuesday, as was um, uh, Chris Cyborg from Bellator. She was going to be there. Uh, Clarissa Shields, who I was, I was supposed to go both days. I could not go uh, today for for other reasons. Um, but yeah, the the PFL had representation there. Um, the WWE's 
EV, uh, one of their like their head people of technology was up to do a panel as well. That was today, so I did not get to attend that one. But a lot of interesting names. Perkins Miller, who was someone that was very uh, involved in the launch of the WWE Network. He has since gone uh, elsewhere. So interesting names that um, were appearing at this. And I mean, people like Carmelo Anthony were up here. Like the mayor of Toronto was at this thing. Like it's it sounds like this has grown into like one of the bigger tech conferences in the world. Um, and it was like, I was blown away by how many people it was. It was at the CNE grounds at the enter care center, formerly mm-hmm. a million other names. There were so many people at this. It was wild. Wow. Yeah. With the roster and the names, I mean, I can imagine. And of course you had a, a chance to catch Tony Khan's press conference or sorry, his presentation, I should say. Yeah. Uh, of which we read some notes from. And uh, you also had a brief chance to, to talk to him. How was that? Yeah, it was. Uh, I went there not with anything scheduled, but was able to uh, work some magic and, and get a couple of minutes uh, with Tony Khan. As, as you heard the interview, it was uh, it was quick, uh, but I tried to make the most of the uh, of the time we had. But uh, uh, very, very positive uh, getting to uh, to chat with him. And yeah, um, afterwards, talked a, a bit about, you know, the idea of like running Toronto and the size of like venue, I, I, I shared like what we have talked about on the show that I believe for a pay-per-view that they would not necessarily sell out the Rogers Center, but I think they would do very healthy because of all the different places that you would draw from. I would not be as bullish on this for maybe a middle of the week dynamite, but for a pay-per-view of the traffic you would get from Montreal that I think you get a, a, a steady stream of people coming up uh, or coming over from, uh, from Detroit, from Buffalo, like that Northeast pocket. Like, what do you, what do you think? Do you think like that's too ambitious for an AEW pay-per-view? Do you think that they should do something more conservative than that? Or first time in the market for a pay-per-view? Like, do you see it having the ability to do 25,000 or so? I, I, it's a very um, tough question to to ask. I mean, do you want to run a 60,000 seater with a 25,000 capacity? You know, how is that going to look um, if you can't even get 20,000? You know, I think um, I think they do. Th- I, I think they could do 25 to 30. I really do mm-hmm. for a pay-per-view. Yeah, perhaps. And, and, ma- you know, and maybe the, and that is an argument of like, do you want to run a venue that you can't guarantee you, you fill and how like the, the Sky Dome, the Rogers Center, like it's a very cavernous stadium like it is yeah. very big at, at the end of it all if you're running your first show in a major market you want to you know talk of a sellout it's it, it might be better for our optics to you know have a ticket sellout immediately versus you know uh hey we have a lot of tickets remaining if you want to uh come and check but, out but scotia bank is like 12 for wrestling mm-hmm. and i think that's way under like you'd be leaving a lot of people um without the chance to come and i think it would actually you know, it, w- it would prohibit people that would maybe make a trip out of this. So, like, I, I would try it. I would honestly, for, for your first pay-per-view in the market, I think it would be really big. And, um, yeah. Um, anyway. if, if there's any market to attempt it in, I feel like Toronto is, is, is as good, good as any. You know, there's a lot of pent-up demand for it. Huge. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, we'll see. Would Kate from Montreal come for a pay-per-view? I think she would. I wonder. Toronto. I'm not I th- sure. I think so. I think yes. a lot of people would come over, not just you know in would, Canada. Would Bruce come from Vancouver? That would be the question. How? how I, I, that's a trek. I, that's a trek I, from Vancouver. I that's think everybody we know. I think everybody we know will make their way over for this. Brain, brain would probably have to work that night. So I don't know. 
Maybe. We'll find out. All right. Um, anyway, so yeah, that, that interview uh, is up on the Post Daily News Show, if you want to check that out. Uh, I, I did think it was, you know, maybe expected by some, but I was just curious to find out that he will, in fact, be the one spearheading the U.S. media rights negotiations. Like, this is the biggest set of negotiations in the company's history. And if they come out with a sizable increase, it's industry changing. So I think that's that's very important when you look at the WWE's last set. It was not them doing it in-house. They were enlisting Nick Khan at the time when he was not part of WWE. So um, this time uh, they have Nick Khan in-house and that's uh, that's a great savings from them that they don't have to um, set aside a percentage for an agency to be negotiating on their behalf. And conversely, AEW, if if it's Tony Khan, but that is that is going to be a very very set, uh, very important set of negotiations. Well, Tony Khan is the one with the connections to Warner. You know, he was probably the one who negotiated the deal in the first place to get AEW uh, a part of uh, you know this uh, uh, different people in place though when that deal was mm-hmm. struck when when Kevin Riley was there, other others. But I mean, you obviously now you do have the relationship uh, being being yeah. part of part of the. Warner Brothers Discovery. And as the data man, as the person who, you know, books the show, I don't know if there's a better person to negotiate than than him. So it it makes sense that he would lead all that. Uh, one other story that we were going to talk about, and we'll probably talk about more on, on Thursday, especially if more uh, details come out. Um, but earlier today, I reported that uh, Paul Levesque was in Orlando and spoke at the Performance Center. And I, I spoke to multiple people who confirmed he was there. And the message that he gave was that he's back. Um, how how much this um like if this I don't know what the extent of being back is going to mean for Paul Levesque, um, but but one person noted to me that um, he said he was looking forward to working with all these new people that he hasn't had a chance to work with and then alluded to something exciting coming up, uh, which is why he was actually there today, uh, but can't say what that is. So, I mean, this could be to the extent of him going back and uh, resuming the prior duties before the cardiac event nine months ago maybe it's you know um doling out more of those duties but still taking a more pronounced role like he has been removed from the nxt picture um since the health scare last year and it sounds like he is going to be much more in the mix and and i think that that's really important news that he's kind of back back in a kind of leadership position here um beyond just all the the nil and kind of talent recruitment uh roles that that he has been holding. Interesting how, you know, a month ago we had Stephanie announce that she was leaving to spend more time with her family. And now all of, all of a sudden, both her and Hunter are back in the system, back at work. Uh, of course, you know, with Triple H, we we wonder um, to, to what capacity he'll be involved because there is the health concern. Um, any sort of stress in, in, in a work situation is is especially you know um concerning for somebody uh, in his position so i hope and, you know, and maybe it does, and maybe it does not have to be the extent of what his prior you know day-to-day was with nxt 1.0 i mean maybe mm-hmm. this can be something where he is he is still taking an active role and he is overseeing it but there is a team there that you can delegate uh, a bit better it, it's it's a question that I, I don't have the answer to yet but i i think it's uh it's notable and then whatever Whatever he was stating, like he was down there to to meet about, like something in, in the pipeline. Yeah, 
I'm sure we'll get a bit more information as the days progress uh, and whatever this big announcement of a new thing is. All right. So we will be getting into the show, but I do want to remind people that the latest edition of Ask Away is up for members at postwrestlingcafe.com. 80 minutes of Way and I discussing everything from dad movies to money orders, um, Beavis and Butthead, and wrestling stuff in there, too. A little bit of wrestling in there as well, yeah. Also, we've already got uh, uh, the latest edition of Up Next. Shot in the Dark is also up on the Up Next feed, so go check that out. And then tomorrow, not only do we have MCU later coming out with me and WH and our good friend Ahmad from New Jersey talking about Ms. Marvel based cool. in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. We we, we brought out the, the, the OGs here for, for Ask Away. That is uh, happening on the Post Wrestling Cafe feed. But then on the British Wrestling Experience feed, we have a very special edition of Bushby and Thompson's Wrestling Adventure. Their final adventure. Their last ride. Martin and Andrew getting together on Thursday as uh, Martin is, is giving his, uh, he, he is winding down his, his duties. So it's, it is one final adventure for the two of them. And uh, they will be uh, presenting a very special show on Thursday. So you'll want to catch uh, that out. And uh, I know that Andrew was very busy today uh, because he was also doing an interview. I will not state yet with whom, uh, but you can uh, look out for that probably in the uh, near future as well. Man is always busy. Everybody's busy here at Post Wrestling. Uh, yes, yes. Especially you this week, way you've really, uh, you've just been, you as uh, well. Uh, I've, I've been sick. I've been, uh, you know, uh, I've been trying to balance busy, busy while things. being sick as well. So the world is busy. You know, let's be honest. Who's not busy these days. What is, what is, what is the busiest 10 minutes of your entire week? The busiest 10 minutes. It, it probably is somewhere in Wednesday night, maybe as the show is wrapping up and I'm finishing typing my notes and trying to get this set up. So, it's yeah. definitely the busiest 10 minutes of my week are like 9, 9.50 to 10.05, okay? Yeah. Tonight, someone, a friend of mine started texting me during the busiest 10 minutes of my entire week. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was oh, just, no. uh, it was like a group text and I was, <laughs> I, I don't expect this person to know. I don't think they follow wrestling uh, <laughs> at all, but it's just texting me about like a I think I was in this group, and, group, group, uh, group text Way might have been in this group text or not, but uh, <laughs> I was just, uh, I, I could not respond because it was, uh, my head was spinning. D- dude, when I, I'm in my, my happiest, when we go live, I've got Sino's report up, it's tweeted out, it's on Facebook, I've got my notes done. If, if I have time to warm up a, a coffee, that's a great night. On a dynamite, that is a huge win. And tonight I had I, I maximized those those five minutes between dynamite ending and starting. If I could fill my water bottle and pee before the show, then I'm happy. That's I go to I the need. bathroom during the picture in picture. It's I you gotta space mm. that out. You can't leave that for the five minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean I'm close to just installing a, a porta potty here in this office. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say catheter. Um which <laughs> that, we're not, that, we're not that would that be even yet. better. Yes. <laughs> Can't can't be taking bathroom breaks during AEW. Just yeah. you know, just go. All right, let's get into Dynamite tonight. The go home show for Forbidden Door this Sunday, and at the end we will go over the updated card because there were a lot of additions and updates on Wednesday's card from the UW Milwaukee. What is this? The University of Wisconsin Milwaukee Panther Arena in Milwaukee. Okay, a mouthful. Yes, sure. Brian Danielson comes out to start the show with Tony Schiavone in the ring. And 
Dude, Shivani is just so excited about the week ahead. We've got Forbidden Door, Blood and Guts next week. And Danielson notes, it's a great week to be an AEW fan and a professional wrestling fan. He plugs Forbidden Door that will feature the two best professional wrestling companies in the world, which are just, I mean, just taking a bow and arrow to Twitter. I mean, just can you imagine the fallout? He did say professional wrestling. Did not say sports entertainment. I, I will tell you, just... Just tweeting out notes from that Tony Khan uh, panel on mm-hmm. Wednesday, the responses you get. It's like, dude, there is, it's insane. It's just like crazy you're, people. You're, you're, th- you're dropping blood into the water. Yeah. It's like the the anger at like – like I tweeted out like the the expected attendance for, for – I'm like, these are numbers. It's yeah. like, my God, it's it's crazy. But nonetheless, he was expecting to be part of both Forbidden Door and Blood and Guts – and brings up Zack Sabre Jr.'s challenge to prove who was the better technical wrestler. And Brian Danielson was excited for this. And he was excited to crush the man's trachea. He had this all mapped out. He was going to stomp his trachea. But unfortunately, due to anarchy in the arena, he is not cleared to compete at Forbidden Door or Blood and Guts. And then got all fired up about the fact that he can still read 500 words a minute and run two miles without breaking a sweat. So he's going to be just fine, okay? He can still speed read. He's he's all set to go. 500 words a minute. Wow, that feels like a lot. That's a lot. That's a yeah. lot. That's like uh that was like an essay for me in like grade 10. Um he goes over all the injuries he's come back from in the past, so don't worry about him. Eddie Kingston called me a judgmental prick. Damn right I am. I have high standards, and I've found the one person I trust to take my spot at Forbidden Door and Blood and Guts, who can take it to Zach at a technical level and then come back and kick Chris Jericho's ass. You will be astounded by what he'll do in AEW. But I came out of the bad guy ramp, and I'm not going to tell you, and I'm not going to tell Zack Sabre Jr. either, and this crowd was so deflated. So tune in on Sunday, and he promises the greatest technical wrestling match of their lives when they tune in on Sunday. And then Zack Sabre Jr. walks out, and we cut to the back. We never heard from him. He just walked out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, that part didn't really surprise me a whole lot. John, you know, like um, I, uh, we all love Zack Sabre Jr.'s promos, of course. Maybe a little bit of disappointment. I was already to like even sick. I would, I would have done it for tonight. I would. You already, you were, you were already typing in "dickhead" uh, in your notes before you had to delete them. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, I, I, I got to say, listen, John. They had a lot to cram into the show. A lot of things that they had to announce. And at this point, if you don't know who Zack Sabre Jr. is, you're not going to care anyway. But if you know, all you really need to do was to see him out in person. We had a little bit of a face to face for Brian, and this was essentially a segment that told you you're not getting it this Sunday, but eventually down the line, we are going to get that man. I think that was so. the, the 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 takeaway here is that you know they know that they mm-hmm. people want this match, and you will get this match. At a, at a time to be determined. I will say this, though. Like, you were tuning in, and yes, there there had been the reports that, like, he he's not going to be cleared. Uh, but I think a lot of people were tuning in, and they, they didn't know for sure what the status was going to be. So it is going to be a letdown of an announcement that Danielson has to give you. And then I think at the end, I think you want to give your fans something. And it was almost like a double shot of tune in on Sunday to find out who it is. And mm-hmm. there are times to do the surprise. And I think there's sometimes that you, you throw a bone to your, your fan base. And I, I just thought with both of these, 
it was just like a double whammy that your audience took. Like, we're not getting Danielson, and you're not even going to tip your hand as to what we're getting on Sunday. And I, I just felt this was one where maybe we did the surprise for Sunday. Agreed. I agree. Yeah, especially I think it's one thing if it's a, a TV show, you want to tease, a, you know, who's going to show up next week. But I think for a pay-per-view, especially if it's a, a big name, and it better be a big name. It you has know? to. It has to. This this cannot be something where it's just uh, no offense to the guy, but like uh, like John Hennigan, you know what I you know what I mean. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, this this has to be huge. And you know the t- actually the the three that I saw most prominently: uh, Cesaro, Johnny Gargano, and Zack Saber Senior. Zack Saber Senior. Yeah, that was a joke one, I, but I, I laughed at that response I got. But yeah, oh, okay. the, the the two were like Cesaro and Gargano that I saw the most. From people yeah. responding, and and I mean of the two, I suppose either would fit into you know great technical wrestler, but I think in terms of star power, um, I get the sense a lot of people are wanting to see Cesaro in AEW. Finally, him coming in as a part of the Blackpool Combat Club, I think makes a whole lot of sense. It's a match that would be worthy of I think um, elevating Forbidden Door to you know that wow, what a great show, what a great surprise type of status. So to me, he feels like a front runner for, for who it is. Um, and if that's the level of, of expectation, if they deliver, you know, below that, people are going to be disappointed. So they have to, I, I assume, know what they're doing. But this is Tony Cotton. He has under under delivered on big promises before, at least according to the audience. So we shall see. Uh, Regal did say that he's got Johnny Saints number on speed dial. Wow. Hey, that would be a quite the match, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, this is a unfortunately just, you know, a rough string of injuries that are going around, not just in AEW, but in professional wrestling. But this timing of this injury in the midst of this show with a number of their top stars out in Kenny and, you know, Punk and Brian and I mean, Jeff Hardy, if you, you know, want to classify. It's a star that's unavailable. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it's a major hit. You know, this would have been a match that I think would have really bolstered the card on paper uh, in terms of, like, you know, how many dream matches are they fulfilling with this brand versus brand concept? Um, so they they don't have it, but, you know, they can make good with a big surprise on Sunday. John Moxley promo in the back. He But by t- the way, you know, Brian did not mention what sort of injury this was. Now, him mentioning that he could still read 500 words a minute, in addition to being able to run really fast, I suppose tells you it could be some sort of combination of a head injury or, um, I don't know, body injury. But I, I feel like the big news would be if he did suffer any sort of head injury. You know, this, since his return, we have not necessarily had that case to deal with in professional wrestling what is the proper protocol for somebody with this history and what what does it mean for long-term effects for him yeah i mean that's that's going to be the speculation um that that you have coming out of this and i think you you know you you treat it like anyone with a concussion to but different with brian is different he he has also come back and it's been it's been over four years uh, of him coming back. And it's not like, like we're, we're, I don't think we even have a case of him having a concussion in, in that time span. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's what I I'm mean, saying. Right. So, so, I, so, but, but does the brain necessarily just heal that way? You know, ultimately he, he is, he does have a more riskier case than other people. So is, 
are, you know, is it different? You treat O'Brien differently if he does, if he has suffered a concussion versus somebody else. Yeah, I, I really don't know the answer to that question. And I don't know if I can even answer if he's necessarily at further risk. Like, yes, he has the history of it. Um, but, but it's not like this guy has been, you know, working like, uh, a conservative style, especially in this this AEW run, um, and and thus far, like up until now, like he has not had an issue. And again, we are you know speculating here about about what it is, but I think given his description here, that's where a lot of people are going to jump to conclusions. Hmm. Moxie did his promo about uh, Eddie Kingston taking a fireball and putting his partner on the shelf. We found out in Vegas that the Jericho Appreciation Society can fight. Next week, we'll find out if they can survive. And he goes through the history with Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz, and Wheeler Yuta surviving. And Moxley's been around the block himself. I hate you, Chris Jericho. He's driven by money, fame, and ego. And this Sunday might be the biggest match of his life. And Tanahashi may be the greatest wrestler that's ever lived. And he is going to transform into what he's always believed he could be. It's personal on Sunday. And once the bell rings, I have no respect for anyone. So he had the unenviable task of having to push two big matches over the, this next week. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see next week. Like they've, you know, built up this, this blood and guts, but it is also, um, you know, it was secondary tonight to Forbidden Door. Yeah, the timing of blood and guts, I think to me, has proven to be pretty awkward uh, with this Forbidden Door pay-per-view just kind of wedged in between there. It, and it's, in my opinion, negatively affected both builds. Um, where, man, there are just some of these segments where I think you're trying to build so much at one time that, um, um, you know, ultimately everybody, everything suffers a little, but you know, it helps that you have somebody on the level of, of talent and ability of a John Moxley who can really kind of talk you into anything. And he was, I think as tremendous as always delivering this sort of fiery promo, um, again, not an ideal situation to be put into there. This, this was supposed to be CM Punk's role. So he has to come in here, focus on two different programs at once. Uh, I thought he did really well. So last year, it was like five on five for Blood and Guts. And Moxley listed like Kingston, Santana, Ortiz, and Yuta. But we also have this replacement. So would, mm, that, be, right. would that mean six on six? Uh, that's a very good point. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you you do have the numbers with the the Jericho crew, so mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can do the at the added uh, person. Orange Cassidy, Trent Beretta, and Rocky Romero against Will Ospreay and Aussie Open. They mention how Juice Robinson has refused to give up the physical U- U.S. title, and therefore uh, Osprey just coming out with the uh, with the British heavyweight title. Uh, the baby faces all get dropped on the aprons as we go through the break. Advantage on Trent. Cassidy gets the tag. He delivers the kicks to Aussie Open and then a double Rana and locks on a Greco-Roman knuckle lock to Fletcher, scales to the top and comes up with a head scissors to Mark Davis and then challenges Osprey to enter the ring. We get triple dives onto Osprey and Aussie Open and a stun dog millionaire is delivered by Cassidy to Osprey. The crowd all chanting, holy shit. We get uh, Aussie Open double teaming Romero. The strong zero is stopped by Osprey with a super kick into a code red and a pile driver follow up by Davis. Then Osprey goes to the space flying tiger drop, missing Cassidy, who leans against the apron and Romero delivers a high cross. Cassidy gets the tag orange punch and pins Kyle Fletcher in 11 minutes and 37 seconds. I I thought Cassidy was tremendous in this match. And I know it's it's maybe like a curveball for people, but I think this Osprey Cassidy match is going to be outstanding on Sunday. 
There's no doubt. Yeah. I mean, you could pair Will Ospreay with like 90% of this AEW roster, and I think the results will be fantastic. You know, the guy has been having great matches since the kidney infection uh, alone, you know? So I don't doubt the results will be great. Orange Cassidy is a very capable worker. This match was really a bit of a reintroduction to him and his shtick. We haven't seen it in a while. I think the audience still enjoys it. Uh, the interaction that they had was fantastic. Got a holy shit chant. And also, of course, served as a bit of a preview of, I guess, what Rapungi Vice had to offer. I suppose the reason why Great O'Connor and Jeff Cobb weren't in this instead of Aussie Open were because they needed Aussie Open to take the pinfall. Yeah. Um, but we did but, get O'Connor and Cobb out there afterwards. But if you blinked, you would have missed it that they were there. And then FTR ran down as well. So not like a super big build for the three-way tag. This is more focused on Cassidy and Osprey and... I mean, some of these matches are going to fall by the wayside here on this go-home show to really hammer home. And I guess it was just the idea of Breda and Romero get a focused spot in the six-man. Yeah, I suppose so. You know, and to be quite honest, I, I don't know how hot it feels, that tag team match, despite how much airtime they've devoted to it uh, in comparison to some of the other matches. The idea that one team is going to leave with both the ROH and the IWGP Tag Team Championships does not feel as big as I think a stipulation like that should nor does this you know u.s title match between orange cassidy and uh will osprey i mean for one thing he's he doesn't have the belt um <laughs> another thought i mean if you know if um, orange cassidy wins this do we get an orange juice match that's what i thought as you were just re- recapping that i think that that's the only um the only natural he's, he's the front runner right already there yes yes um We'll see if we can concentrate on that coming out of the pay-per-view. Mm. Yes. Uh, I really like the six-man. Um, there was maybe one little sequence where it just seemed like that the timing was a, a little off when um, uh, they were all getting involved. But overall, I, I really enjoyed the six-man. I thought that um, especially Cassidy and Osprey, Kyle Fletcher was great in this. Uh, Trent is just... Uh, He's tremendously underrated, just great at at the moments of of selling and just always being in the right place at the right time. Uh, so this was, this was a nice opener, but it was one that um, you totally forget about by the time these two hours are up. Yeah, yeah. FTR then came out as O'Connor and Cobb were there, too, and that ended the segment. Sanjay Dutt is with Jay Lethal and Sutnam Singh. Dutt's ordered new pencils. And they're going to celebrate by going to India. Uh, but Jay Lethal wants to become the new ROH TV champion, but can't do that until Samoa Joe comes back to work. So he tells Joe, either tape up your shoulder and defend the title or vacate the championship. And it will go to the longest reigning ROH TV champion. I don't know if that's how uh, belts being relinquished works. And we've had no shortage of uh, vacated titles recently. I God knows we don't need another one with a Lethal could reason. be the interim champion. I'm sure. They want to make an interim ROH TV championship. Yeah. Uh, you know, this program too has been quite cold. I have to say, you know, and of course it doesn't help that Joe has uh, been off you know, presumably to do some outside projects, but um, did this need to be on the show this week? Absolutely not. No. I mean, unless, you know, Joe's return is imminent, but I would say even so let just let the guy return, you know, um, hardly on this week when you're trying to promote blood and guts and also trying to promote forbidden door. Uh, do I need a reminder of Sutnam Singh and Jay Lethal? Although he did have a match on Rampage, I suppose that's why, you know, to to capitalize off of the the freshness of that. But 
on a show with so many other talents and so many other names, I, I Satnam Singh and whatever's going on with Jay Lethal is hardly in our minds. Uh, one note coming from, of course, the uh, you know Tony Khan uh, collision. I keep wanting to say collision course. It's a Lincoln Park album or something. Uh, collision conference from Tony Khan. He did mention, you know, uh, some notes about Ring of Honor. Could could we could that be imminent, John? You know, um, uh, the next Ring of Honor pay per view, and is this a program that they built long enough that they might save for that? Well, I think the pay per view announcement is coming, and the the bigger question is the TV and something weekly. Which, man, I I think that's a lot. It's yeah. it's just a lot on everyone's plate. In particular, Tony Khan's. Um, adding- What's the next pay-per-view? When would the next ROH pay-per-view be if, if we're fitting to, you know, a classic ROH schedule? Oh, I, I see what you mean. Um, I, I don't even know if they're necessarily going to be be following that. I mean, they, they typically run one um, September. Like, that's when they do, what, the All-Star Extravaganza. But I don't even know if they're going to follow kind of the, uh, the, the time. Like, the big ones would be Supercard and Final Battle. I think everything else is really movable. But you, you would be aiming to do something this summer. And Supercard did really, really well. So I think certainly you follow up with that and and maybe there's the argument like if you don't have an imminent streaming or TV deal for ROH, can it exist as a couple pay-per-views a year, like four pay-per-views per year? And would there be an audience for it? Supercard proved that there would be. And I would imagine that with with the benefit of AEW promotion on, on television, if you, you can push it that way, I think like that. That could work. Um, Supercard had the added element of just like intrigue, you know, with with it being Tony's first show, technically, and and us not exactly knowing, you know, who who was going to leave with the championships. Um, I think they could certainly do a good job of like you know promoting a, a successful uh, Ring of Honor show, but I also feel like a lot of it might be based around people that they don't have available at the moment. You know, names like Brian Danielson and CM Punk, who I think mean a whole lot to the ROH brand, um, not being available is would that dampen things. If Claudio shows up, maybe he's a guy, you know, that you would look towards. Uh, certainly Joe, of course. The other question is like Ring of Honor being a Tony Khan purchase promotion as opposed to AEW owning it is mm-hmm. like if you're if you're TBS or TNT, like we if there is no TV deal in place and you're using this programming to promote this pay-per-view like how does that all work certainly absolutely these are all really interesting questions that i'm sure uh you know are on the plate of a tony conda negotiator the next segment out comes heel christian cage and the heels that he was wearing these uh like uh this matching jacket and boot combo with his black steve jobs turtleneck this was the the greatest outfit for a heel. In this years. was a great look. Oh, yeah. perfect! Absolutely Total- perfect. He came out. You knew this guy was was a piece of shit. Oh, fuck no, no good person wears a turtleneck. Are you kidding me? Turtlenecks are definitely heel looks. Crowd boos immediately. I thought he looked great. Yeah, tons of boos for him, and as expected, Christian. Brings up double or nothing from last year, where Jungle Boy eliminated him from the Casino Battle Royale. And the reaction from the fans when that happened, they cheered Jungle Boy. And it affected him fast-tracking his way for the title. So Christian's whole character now is cashing in all this money by doing the least amount of work. He is Kevin Nash. 
That's the character. Which is complete counter to his catchphrase, outwork everyone. Where he has now released a new shirt that reads, worked everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if exactly he worked everybody. I mean, we all pretty much saw this coming, but still a great shirt. I love the idea. So he checked social media for some background on Jungle Boy. And the way he described it is like this was his first time delving into social media and discovered what a cesspool this place is of you fans that know nothing about this business. I'm one of the best. I've got it all figured out. I don't tell you how to do your job. And he threatened Shivani if he interrupts I don't tell you how, to, how you do your job at the drive-thru. At the drive-thru. And Jungle Boy cost him a lot of money. So what did he do? I rode his coattails. I cashed a paycheck doing the minimal amount of work. You think I came here to help younger talent? That's bullshit. I came back to make a ton of money. And he challenges anyone to have a match that people talk about beyond one week. Much less have matches that children are seated down to watch that changes history and pay-per-views are named after. Then, when you do that, you can be on my pay scale. So this was a shot at MJF. Yes, this was very much around MJF, who uh, of complaining about how much other people are making. So this was our first promo where it was distinctly uh, alluding to the MJF story. Hmm. Jungle Boy has the talent, but he doesn't have the killer instinct. And one time that I didn't give you advice or walk you down to the ring, you lost the tag titles. Now he has to get his hands dirty. And that really pisses me off. Now Christian's got to work. So he they show the clip of that did not get shown on television last week where Jungle Boy's mother and sister are in the front row. And Christian goes up to both of them, telling them, you raised a piece of shit. And Christian explains that I was giving Jungle Boy's mother the chance to apologize for giving birth to Jungle Boy. And she thinks that he thinks that she wanted him to be Jungle Boy's father figure. I never wanted to be Jungle Boy's father. You have a father, but your father's dead. And this crowd just reacts uh, in the spirit of, of Luke Perry at this tasteless line and said that's probably a good thing because he'd be embarrassed and ashamed at what you've become. So enjoy your early retirement at 25. And with that, out comes Luchasaurus, who grabs Christian by the throat. And Christian is choking and gagging and says, they need to talk in private. And then says, remember what happened to Marco. And Luchasaurus loosens the grip. Christian says, you are like a son to me. And he (laughs) needs to talk in private. A son, his 65 million-year-old son. And he hugs Luchasaurus, and Luchasaurus spares Christian Cage. Dude, Christian was awesome. He was the star of this show for me. If we're going to compare and contrast heel turns, Christian has lacked edge already uh, several times over with this one segment alone. He was fantastic. I feel like you know a lot of us recognize that he does some of his best work, maybe his very best work as a heel. And finally, while in AEW, they certainly took their time with it, but they finally have an opportunity for him to become um, what feels like it could be honestly like near the top, you know, as an act here, um, at least with his level of speaking, this was a tremendous first week for him. The, um, you know, the, the lines were good. I don't know how I feel about like the Luke Perry stuff, obviously like, you know, anytime you have somebody, I'm sure like they cleared it with everybody. It's just like, 
I, I just don't think it's, I think it's just a little, a little cheap, like, especially for somebody who, you know, is as creative as Christian, but listen, it worked, got a big reaction. It's what people are going to come out of the segment, remembering the most. And uh, beyond that, I mean, it seems like we are, we had, or are getting a Jurassic Express breakup in totality here between uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus as well. So I really need to know what happened to Marco to get Luchasaurus to, you know, just just forgive Christian like this. He got cut. I mean, that's or his contract wasn't renewed. But why so, would that why would that suddenly, you know, get Luchasaurus to. Well, maybe he believes Christian. that Christian can pull the strings. Like maybe when Luchasaurus is kind con- maybe Cage has Cage has a lot of power here in this company. I'm expecting. I mean, I'm expecting a bit, bit more. Hopefully, a, a, an explanation with a bit more depth, like something secretive happened to Marco Stunt. Maybe, maybe there was a contract renewal and Christian intercepted it for Marco, and then his contract it, it lapsed. They assumed he wasn't resigning. It. Yeah. Uh, and then that somehow is supposed to make Luchasaurus like want to join Christian. Well, I think I think the 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 intent of this segment was to give you the impression you don't know Marco Stunt has disappeared and. Yeah. I can, I think you extinct dinosaur. That's yeah. it. So anyway, yeah, perhaps. Do, do, do you see Luchasaurus is just like the muscle here for Christian? I think so. I mean, because if I, you do that, you almost have to do a whole rebranding of Lucha, Luchasaurus at this point. Like it kind of yeah. doesn't fit the the character to be in this guy's corner as the dinosaur. Well, the gimmick is good. Um, it'd be interesting. Can can a dinosaur be a heel in this company? Um, but I I will say. I love the team. I like the faction a whole lot, but I also feel like um, they need to start taking Jungle Boy a bit more seriously as a singles threat. And this will will be, I mean, this is all geared towards that point, isn't it? You know, to get Christian a hot enough person to be able to uh, have a hot opponent for Chris, uh, Jungle Boy. Um, and Luchasaurus as well. You know, like I feel like he's kind of run his course as, you know, guy who doesn't say a whole lot and just roars occasionally. Um, he needs a bigger role, you know, something to, to sink his teeth into his big uh, dinosaur teeth into, you know, yes. to, to, to whether as a heel muscle or just as, you know, a single star in some capacity. And this would be it. Yes. And the conclusion of this segment is that the legacy of TLC much greater than that of judgment day. Uh, I, I would say so. Sure. Yeah. We go to the back. The Young Bucks are with Kyle O'Reilly, and all is right with the world. They are now two-time champions, and state it's a safe bet will be part of Forbidden Door. But Kyle O'Reilly notes he's not medically cleared and says that Sting should be locked up and is threatening to sue Sting, and it's going to be the Young Bucks teaming with Hikuleo and El Fantasmo against Sting and his cronies, who we, we would learn from uh, later, and quite the cronies that Sting has lined up. Yeah. Um, the billing of this in the end, and we can jump to it right now, is what I found found most interesting. First of all, they had the Young Bucks with Hikuleo and El Fantasmo credited as, or at least billed as, the Bullet Club. Yes. So at least some uh, official rec- re- recognition that the Young Bucks are still somewhat a part a part of Bullet Club. So how how's that all going to work? You know, with with everybody else that's currently in the in the stable. Uh, also, <laughs> Sting's faction. Known as the dudes with attitudes, I yes. love it. Shawn Michaels and Diesel, uh, I guess, were maybe contacted or forbidden mm-hmm. door. They could not cross the dudes with attitudes. Yeah, does that be that Sting's cronies? To me, it does. Of course, 
Malachi Black against Penta Oscuro for the All-Atlantic Qualifier. Who would be the final man um, joining uh, Tomohiro Ishii, who qualified earlier this week, beating Clark Connors? Um, so they, they go through the break here. Uh, Penta reversed off the middle rope into a sling blade. They fight on the edge. Uh, Black avoids the fear factor, and Penta is selling his back. And goes to the floor, with the, and Black hits a moonsault off the corner, and... It's followed with with a double stomp by Black. Penta then hits the Fear Factor off the middle turnbuckle, but his back is so hurt he can't reach Black, who rolls to the rope. And when Penta finally makes his way over, Black gets his foot on the rope, goes for the pump handle, his back gives out, and leaves him prone for the Black Mass, and Malachi Black wins the match in 9 minutes and 56 seconds. Nice match. I, I wouldn't say it, uh, it went uh, above that. Nice match is exactly what I wrote down as well. Um, so I, I don't know what it is about this one that like just you know brings up nice. But on paper, I think maybe I was expecting a little bit more from this. And I have to preface, you know, I'm watching this with the commercial break, and it's it's impossible to pay attention for me during the picture in picture. So that definitely took a good chunk out of out of it. Coming back from break, the crowd was as hot as ever. So I imagine they had a much different viewing than than I. Do you blame I the did. lack of sound? For your attention during the picture in picture or the ads that we get during the i mean picture it's both it's it's the lack of sound it's the tiny screen and the fact that i've got somebody trying to sell me a cheeseburger like you know for for or shack selling me printer ink um from epson uh that type of stuff it's it's impossible plus dan, I dan o'toole showing up on on tsn in the picture yeah. picture plus so, i just there. need a mental break you know from this show and i try to take advantage during the picture in picture Pac comes out and he has words with Malachi Black, but then we go on screen for the main event. It's Miro. All he wanted was his God, his gold, and his gorgeous wife. He will walk through Forbidden Door, dragging all the bastards and pagans, and he will redeem them all. And this Sunday, he will send them to meet their maker. And when you do, tell the coward the Redeemer wants to talk. And then he spits in disgust. So he is going to, he's going to kill these three, and they're going to be sent to the afterlife to give a message to God. So he has oh, wow. this all mapped out. This is the ultimate forbidden door. Hmm. And you cross. Yes. Uh, that would, yeah, that, that, that would be quite the stipulation. Yeah. Uh, I like the fact that Wardlow had this promo ready and good to go, you know, like uh, right after. I mean, Malachi he might've, he might've just he pre-taped it. And he, well, he never, he never, did he, he ever, did. he talked about, I talked about the pagan. It's not Tomohiro Ishii, you know? So Is Penta a pagan? I don't even really know what a pagan is, but I well, feel like it fits Malachi Black a little bit better. Okay. Um, so I can only imagine... He Maybe recorded, he did multiple versions, and he, he said, did a version run for this? E- for every person. Maybe he did one for Clark Connors and... Uh, <laughs> uh, Tomohaki Hanma! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then we hear from Wardlow... He always gets what he wants, and all he wants is the TNT title, really setting his sights high. And he's been waiting three years for this opportunity. He doesn't take orders anymore, and he will welcome Scorpio Sky into Wardlow's world when he's healthy. Each time he said this, I think of Bobby's world. What? Why? I just, when I think of Wardlow's world, it just brings me back to Howie Mandel and Bobby's world. Yeah, Wardlow's I, world does not sound cool at all. Come on. I, I mean, just picture him on one of those that that little trike that Bobby used to ride around, the little uh two-wheeler. 
It's a three-wheeler. A trike, trike would be. Um, yes, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, so that that's what I thought of here. Um, we'll see if yeah. Wardlow's world makes it. Yeah, I don't think that sounds cool at all. Yeah, it's like maybe you don't, think, go... of, you don't, you don't think of Wayne's world. No, surprisingly, I've gone to Ward. Uh, I've gone to Bobby's world both times. I, I've heard this line. Hmm. Like it just it sounds like. Hey guys, I'm having my eighth birthday party. Where? <laughs> yeah. We're going to Wardlow's world. You're going to Wardlow's world? Aren't you a little old for that? My little sister went there. Yeah, yeah. Can we come with, can you come up with something with the letter W? That sounds a bit I don't know, more adult. Um Wardlow's warehouse. Uh what, that that that's where I go to get like um you know, as DVD set or something. It's like <laughs> everything must go. Show up at Wardlow's warehouse Saturday morning. First come, first serve. Oh man! Um, but wait, if you call in the next twenty minutes, <laughs> Hangman Page versus Wisconsin's own Silas Young. Adam Cole is out for commentary, and uh, they brought up their history wrestling in Ring of Honor. Their last match took place May eleventh, two thousand eighteen, at the prestigious. Ted Reeve Arena. Oh, yeah. A classic. Any the match me- that, that's there. The Mecca. Classic. Yes. Oh, yeah. If you can headline at the Ted Reeve Arena, you can headline anywhere. Young gets tossed out to the floor. Uh, Page misses a Pescado, but then rebounds and uh, swings around the rope with a clothesline. Orihara moonsault. And then Page with a superplex. Pescado, top rope, clothesline. But the crowd, they're all getting behind Silas. They're, they, they're pulling for their, their hometown guy. And Young... Delivers his rolling fireman's carry, loses his footing, but completes the plunge with the split-legged moonsault, missing Page, and he is hit with the buckshot. Hangman gets the win over Silas Young. I thought this was a good match. You know, surprisingly, I I engaged with this one a bit more than even Penta versus uh, Malachi Black there. And uh, I thought it was a great performance from Silas Young, you know? Odd choice for an opponent, but I mean, I suppose Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin does make sense. But to get a spot like this even, I feel like Tony Khan has to see something in him. And I thought he took full advantage. He killed it here. Perhaps a name that he's considering for this ROH reboot. Possibly. Possibly. Someone you you associate totally with ROH. Mm-hmm. Adam Cole gets up to talk. Jay White interrupts. And he explains that he's responsible for making Forbidden Door as big as it can be. And that his opponent still cannot be Adam Cole. Because you lost to Page twice. White then enters the ring and says, My opponent on Sunday will not be you either to Paige. So they fight. Cole gets knocked off the apron. The buckshot gets stopped when Adam Cole low blows Paige. And then Cole picks up the IWGP title and he's behind White who turns around and catches Cole who's about to use the belt. White then lifts Paige when all of a sudden you hear the entrance of the Rainmaker himself. Kazuchika Okada comes out and dude, this place lost their mind as Okada came out huge in Milwaukee. And he runs down. Okada and Page fight White and Cole. And then Okada and Page have a, a face-off with one another. White ducks a Rainmaker before he exits. And I, this, to me, is the kind of moment you wanted to have many times with some of these New Japan performers coming over. Um, like, Okada just felt like your top, top-level uh, star. And at the end of this all, it will, in fact, be a four-way match for the IWGP title on Sunday. Did they announce that at the end of the segment? Not at the end of the segment during the rundown of the pay-per-view later that night. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was cool. It was, I mean, a huge, huge reaction to Kazuchika Okada, as I think many of us would expect, honestly. Like, if if Will Osprey gets that sort of reaction, if Minoru Suzuki gets that sort of reaction, I mean, how could Kazuchika Okada not? Um, do these New Japan guys not have anything but, like, white T-shirts, though, packed in their suitcases? Come on. Um, what are we doing here? This is, like, you know, a big debut like what? What we we don't have we don't have something better for the rainmaker to wear. What did you want him to come out with? Well, if not a robe, at least come on some sort of collar, Tur- turtleneck. Yeah, this is this guy is supposed to be the the guy with the you know the 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 dollars flowing through the air. This to me felt like I, I I'm just imagining this to be a lot of people's first glimpse of Kazuchika Okada. You know, as much as a, a, as big of a deal he might seem to our audience, a lot of people watching on. TNT or sorry TBS may have never seen this guy before um and it's just I don't know white t-shirt doesn't really do a whole lot for me especially when you have Jay White wearing a white t-shirt as well but I also felt like they should have hammered things a little bit home a, a little bit harder after the segment they should have told you exactly what the match was and why after all of this Jay White saying that it's not going to be Cole and it's not going to be Paige how did those two suddenly get into the match? What, that was a big what? gap for me, in particular the Cole one, who it was explained kind of logically, like you've lost twice to Paige. What gets you into it? Like they didn't even use the Owen tournament win to kind of justify him being there. And it missed that explanation that you're bringing up because, yeah, it's like why all you, of a sudden you spend all this time discrediting these two for why they don't deserve a championship match. And all of a sudden we end the segment. We end the segment really thinking that it's going to be Jay White versus Kazuchika Okada. And then it of course requires Excalibur, you know, in his <laughs> monumental rundown later on in the show to, to the all time official match. But no, absolutely. I, th- I think this build really should could have been, and should have been better uh, with, with their clear explanations. Yeah. I don't know what all went, behind this th- this match but number one i think you would have wanted to get this one out a little earlier and maybe there were forces that prevented that um, but at the end of it i do think it needed that explanation for it of after going through all this even the part about hangman explaining why he wasn't in the battle royal that i'm not going to be getting a title match anytime soon so i'm going to go for the iwgp title so what's yeah i do think you have to follow up a little on that you you're shut you're in theory shut out of the AEW title for an unknown reason. And you then who's making this match for you to get you into this match? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we do have a four way and, you know, like it was maybe suggested at the beginning of all this, it's not as attractive match as hangman page versus Kazuchika Okada. I think anytime you have, you know, um, a singles bout, it feels just that much more conclusive. We, well, we Okada's not the champion anymore. So that, wouldn't have been the singles match. I would have still rather have done it. To me, it felt bigger, but we also that's, have... Does that tell you neither are taking a pinfall in this four-way? So, I mean, that is the reason why why we're getting these multi-man matches, is it, is it not? You know? I, you, I think that's Adam Cole's role in this match. That's what you have to naturally expect. And that's unfortunate, because I think at the start of this, we were looking for... And granted, there there were curveballs thrown in. We were supposed to get Punk versus Tanahashi. We're, we don't. But... You know, at the start of this whole Forbidden Door concept, I think there are a lot of eyeballs looking at Tony Khan and Ghetto to have this feel different than your typical cross-promotional tour where you don't go by, get by with these sort of shortcuts of having multi-man matches just so somebody can get a pinfall or take a pinfall. Um, and in this case, it, it, it feels like a bit of a cop-out. 
and and it feels like it's you know a bit less than what they were promising ahead of time and that was a title match between page and, and okada nonetheless i'm sure the match will be great i think so but um yeah i, I think going in i i think this is one where it's I think overall, like this pay-per-view, I think that there's going to be a lot of criticism of the buildup for it. But I also look at this card and and I wonder if it's just going to be a card that delivers in such a way that it somewhat negates that. But you're selling people on the hype and the buildup. The buy rate is, is what's most important. We know the quality of the show will be good. Dude, WWE shows leave us feeling good because the quality of those shows are good as well. Wrestling is just that good these days. But how much interest do you have going into it? And how much? How many, how many buys does this, this show garner? This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you. Well, thank you. After that segment, we go to the baddies in the back, minus Red Velvet, who is injured. And Jade says that the show must go on, and they are now searching for a new baddie. So to apply, you can use the hashtag and tweet them why they should be part of the group and keep the photos PG with Jade adding that you need to be a top-notch bitch, which eliminates me from the running, but Way could still qualify. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna um, try to get my selfie just right. Gonna get the right filters, pick the right outfit, and hashtag baddie search. I will, I may enter. Yeah, Jade sounds great in these. You know, Stokely Hathaway, um, obviously sounds very good. Though I feel like we, we've, we've really yet to see his full integration into this entire thing. At least to the point where he feels like an integral part. Um, and maybe that's just because like Jade herself has already become such a com- confident and comfortable promo. But uh, yeah, unfortunate for Red Velvet. You know, this was a a very good spot for her, um, but it makes way for a, another person to be added in. Do you have any thoughts on who it could be? Oh, I no. Saw I saw a lot no of idea. buzz around like people suggesting Sunny Kiss as a potential baddie, which would be interesting for sure. Um, trying to think who else, but yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally, it would be someone. That's at least already on your roster that just doesn't mm-hmm. have a role rather than just someone completely off off the roster that you're bringing in just uh, another body. Like th- this is a group that has some some buzz to it and could help somebody. Athena and Chris Statlander mock the baddie search and note it's unfortunate the Red Velvet's hurt, but no one will get in their way trying to get to Jade. And they've got Willow Nightingale as Athena tells Jade to cut the shit. Mer- I thought these two sounded good, you know, like it's. It's it's got to be difficult trying to you know um, match the personality levels of like somebody like a Stokely Hathaway and, and a Jade Cargill, but I thought these two did really well, especially like Chris Statlander, who continues to make a lot of improvements in all areas, not just in ring, but in terms of her promo ability as well. Marina Shafir versus Tony Storm. Shafir had Nyla Rose in her corner. Uh, Shafir executes a throw and then lands a kick to the chest so hard that Shafir knocks herself off balance. Storm gets tossed out, and this allows the ref to get distracted, so Rose can hit a senton onto Storm. 
Through the break, it's all Shafir, and then Storm lands this running hip attack into the corner. Shafir's pump handle is countered into a roll-up, and Tony pins her in 7 minutes and 21 seconds. Afterward, Rose attacks Storm. Thunder Rosa runs down. They clear the ring after Tony picks up the loose women's belt and nails Nyla with it, and then hands it back to Thunder Rosa, who grabs her belt back and holds it up in front of Tony. Mm-hmm. This is a match where I, I felt, I mean, I was surprised they gave Shafir a whole lot more than I was expecting. She was almost being portrayed as like a, a bit of a monster here. She took and everything almost up until like the comeback at the, at the end. Storm was like, you know, kind of getting by with, with a little bit of offense and barely squeaked by with a roll up win at the end. So they, they're, they are pushing Shafir as if she is, you know, somebody at least to be feared very much in ring, despite of course taking several losses now, uh, but they did pair her up with Nyla Rose in a tag team, which is interesting because we're getting the formation of several new women's tag teams here. Um, could that lead to, you know, a formation of a new championship, for instance? The oh, I mean, <laughs> the last of course. Need. Yeah, of course. All we have so many managers. Why don't we have a manager's championship? <laughs> the all, um, you know, um, Indian Ocean. What about uh, the lakes? How many lakes are there that are underrepresented? In like pro the, wrestling. I don't know if we have a Great Lakes championship. They're going to be in Detroit yeah. next week. Maybe we will get something, you know. Who is the Lake Superior champion? Scarborough Bluffs, uh, you know, uh, inaugural intergender um, championship, John. I don't know. Um, but listen, I, I'm glad that they're drawing these associations and building these little teams and mini factions. Uh, I like Shafir, Shafir with Nyla Rose. I think her stuff looks very aggressive, very legit probably feels that way too looking at some of these judo throws they can't be like these are not soft landing so um you know credit to tony storm they're they're like it, her her matches don't have the smoothness of like you know let's say a will osprey type of match but to me like they don't take me away from the immersion because real fighting does is not necessarily smooth judo is not smooth it's it's very awkward in, in a real fight that's it, kind of how i describe shafir she's yeah. very awkward and part of that is like the inexperience and it's also like her foundation as well that like you you're watching somebody that like this is not a smooth process for her and and there's the limitations that come with that these are not always the the prettiest matches um but but it's also like there is a difference in her that it's almost like she is doing something much different than any of the other wrestlers are but for what's not pretty, I think she gains in terms of realism. And of course, there's been all this talk about what's what what happened between her and, and Thunder Rosa, which, by the way, they buried the hatchet with a big piece of sourdough bread. So great. Good for them. But a lot of people were studying that match and, and you know, able to recognize that a lot of it was Shafir muscling herself and pulling off like real suplexes and real throws on her own. But it's no surprise because that's what you do in judo. You do not have cooperative opponents in real combat sports. She's used to non-cooperative opponents. And again, that awkwardness just kind of adds to some of the realism that I think she brings to to her particular style of match. Darby Allen and Sting, the dudes with attitude. Don't believe that Kyle isn't medically cleared. They think he's just scared, but they're not coming alone on Sunday. They have two members of their own. And the other dudes that they have enlisted are Shingo Takagi and Hiromu Takahashi. My favorite dude with attitude, Shingo Takagi. What a what a set of personalities that are going to be on this team. Yeah, Man. I don't. I don't want the. I don't need the match. I need the car ride of these four. I need Just, dinner. 
Like show yes. me what dinner looks like at In and Out with or wherever whatever they have in Chicago with these four. Yeah. yeah. I I think this match this is like the weirdest match of where you're going to have Sting with Hiromu like working with the the young bucks. You've got El Fantasmo in here. Like dude, um like Fantasmo and Darby working together, Darby with the Bucks. I like I think this will be awesome. And Sting's going to do something crazy in in this whole thing as well. I I don't doubt that this is going to be something totally different than anything else on the card and it's it's kind of like the the weird kind of match that you want to have on a show like this of these different worlds that are colliding. I, I I suppose so. I think there, like this, this match will get over just just because of the personalities involved. They will go crazy for Sting. They'll go crazy for Darby. They'll go crazy for Shingo. They will go batshit for Hiromu Takahashi, who is a major superstar. But I do look at like the pieces that they have, and I'm thinking, could Darby versus Hiromu not have been made for this just to kind of give us that one big dream match scenario, you know, uh, with a big conclusive result? Or was this another case of like neither person being able to afford a loss? Yeah, I mean, I, I do get that. It's also I think I think you do want to fit as as many of your stars onto this. I think you do want to have the young bucks on this show. But why and- not put the young bucks in a tag team match? You know, in a proper tag team match rather than like what what ultimately feels like an Kurokuen Hall undercard match. You know what I mean with these multi man matches. Yeah, I, I I would just say like this this for me like dude you're gonna get Nick Jackson and Hiromu together. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I I don't doubt that the interactions will be great, but like it just feels like on paper to me this feels more on the level of like something you would get on the show on the go home show rather than the pay per view. For Rampage, the other go home show this week, uh, it's the DKC against Hook. Andrade versus Phoenix, Serena Deeb and Mercedes Martinez in action, and Cash Wheeler against Jeff Cobb. So what did you think about this Rampage lineup uh, coming off of Friday's number? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, as, as we discussed briefly on uh, Post Daily News, uh, not a, 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 the worst number that they've had in the demo on Friday. I don't and, know. And, this... and that's all Rampages, like not just in its normal time slot. Like this mm-hmm. is this was below like 530 Eastern start yeah. times as well. So, I mean, it's it's very interesting to see that AEW is coming off two bad numbers with Dynamite last week and Rampage. And WWE is on this string of hot numbers from SmackDown Raw. And it continued with NXT on Tuesday as well. And and what that all means and. I think it's very important to see what this dynamite number is that it does tonight. Was this a one week aberration where for whatever reason, these AEW numbers are down? Is it indicative of something more? I think there was more concern after the rampage number that we had two numbers uh, back to back. And we'll we'll see if if this number bounces back or if it continues that trend. Well, uh, this week will be a test to see if it last week was, you know, uh, something unrelated to star power uh, for for, as a result for that rating. Because in terms of star power, I love Andrade versus Phoenix. I think it's a great looking match, but it's pretty low on, uh, you know, as far as rampages go. Hook is great, but he's going up against somebody in the DKC who no one watching AEW will have seen before. Um, Deeb and Martinez are tag teaming. We don't know who their opponents are, not to mention, like, they're not stars themselves. Jeff Cobb is also somebody who means a whole lot maybe to people who keep up with professional wrestling like you and I, but means very little 
to your TNT viewer on, on, on a 10 p.m. slot. Same with Cash Wheeler. Again, as much as we, we love it. But they're very much, I think, booking the show as if it was another Rampage, you know, to, 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 to get, get the interest of the diehard professional wrestling fan who doesn't miss any of these shows rather than, I think, trying to attract a casual audience that they might not might have lost last week. And Phoenix uh, cut a promo just going back to the Battle Royal when Andrade hit him with a low blow and eliminated him. So that's the justification for the match on on Friday, which, I mean, as a match, um, should be tremendous with Phoenix and and Andrade. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, this week's numbers are going to be very closely focused on. And then an update for Forbidden Door, the buy-in. We'll see the Gun Club and Max Caster take on the DKC, Kevin Knight and Yuya Uemura. And then they ran down the whole pay-per-view card. Um, so do you want to go through the pay-per-view card now or at the end of the show? Um, let's do it at the end. Let's save it for the end. Okay. So from there, we go to Chris this Jericho. Is, we, we could talk about the Excalibur fucking – was this an all-timer? Like – Given all the multi-mans and tags at Forbidden Door, and he had the plug, blood, and guts, and then at the end of it all, coming up next, it's our main event that he had to list that. This was probably, if not the highest, it's it's in that vicinity, because he had a ton of names to run down for this Forbidden Door show on Sunday. And they're very self-aware of it now. I mean, again, like for a while now, I think these have just been like tests of endurance for um in speed i suppose for for excalibur and it's to the point now where i mean they're they're kind of joking about it afterwards so they've they've become an attraction on their own i would say i i I love them it's it's part of the appeal to me of uh of dynamite every week is is hearing this part where he just hammers it for you and seeing how well you can keep up typing the notes oh it's 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 amazing Jericho and Lance Archer against John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi. William Regal was on commentary. Dude, he was awesome on this match. He put Tanahashi over as just so strong. He was fantastic on this. And then at the end, hard selling how important it is for Moxley to win this match. He was great. Uh, not just Regal. JR did a fantastic job putting Tanahashi over. You know, of course, we know he's got that New Japan experience um, for access. And I, I I do question like how much of the roster he's he he feels that strongly about to the point where he could provide this sort of commentary with, but you know he feels a very genuine way about Hiroshi Tanahashi when he says that Tanahashi is top ten wrestler, uh, top ten among wrestlers of his uh, in his all time list, um, because he he spoke about him as as if he was you know one of the greatest and uh for, that's worth a whole lot to somebody who might not be familiar with new japan watching that's what you got to sell here yeah to the person that, that maybe doesn't know tanahashi you get that endorsement from these two it's a it, very meaningful here it's a big brawl at the beginning then they double team moxley uh jericho's lion salt he landed on the knees and tanahashi he is stretching over the top rope to make the tag he comes in the crowd goes nuts for the air guitar they're chanting his name and then Jericho hits a code breaker. Moxley's in to make the save, dive onto Archer, and then Tanahashi ducks the Judas effect, and he went for his version of the code breaker, um, with, like the one knee version. And then aces high on Jericho, who rolls through into the walls of Jericho, escapes that. Moxley and Archer are in. Moxley avoids the blackout. DDT to Archer, tags Tanahashi, high fly flow, and Archer takes the fall as uh, Jericho had less success teaming with this Lance than his other former partner with the same name. Ooh. 1203, 
and Moxley and Tanahashi are your winners. What did you think of the match before we get into all the post-match? Very nice, very hot match. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Tanahashi was, was so fun to watch in this match. Totally, yeah. Crowd was there for it all. Uh, Jericho was fantastic. You know, uh, his match with, with Tanahashi was absolutely great from, I mean, several years. A long time ago, it, feel, it feels like at this point. But they retained their... That, that we were there time. for. Holy shit, you're right. Wow. Yeah, yep. But they retain the same level of chemistry. Their styles, uh, I think, really, If I mean, they're both great wrestlers. So you compare most people with them, and I think the results would be great. But I think the two of them in particular, as like two enduring veterans who have just like somehow managed to just stay completely relevant and stay at the top at this, this whole time, they match really nicely. It was a lot faster of a match than I think I was expecting. And, you know, considering that it was Lance Archer and John Moxley on the other side. And it just tells you, like, all these guys are are, are incredible. Um, so really hot main event. I, I thought this was the perfect kind of match to send you into the pay-per-view on Sunday. It's teasing you with like the bigger match of Moxie and Tanahashi. And this was one of the rare times I like the, the opponents teaming together. Like it was never, um, they were never doing the dissension spots. It's like, we have a mission here to beat these guys. And it was only after the match ended that it was, the two are focused on one another and they were very focused on one another in the ring as chaos ensued around them. Um, so Regal is stressing how important it is for Moxie to win this match on Sunday. And they're in the middle, just staring at one another, trading words. When all of a sudden Eddie Kingston appears attacking Jericho on the floor, Wheeler Yuta runs down. Kingston whips a chair at Sammy Guevara. Then Minoru Suzuki walks out. Yuta goes after him. Shota Umino is out. They're trying to explain that's Moxley's protege. Popcorn is being thrown all over here. Suzuki's just having the time of his life. All this insanity is happening while Moxley and Tanahashi are locked. Neither is going to blink in the middle of this. And I thought it was such a cool visual that all this brawling is happening. They are fixated on one another in the ring. And that's how we ended the show. Just plugging uh, the countdown for Friday night after Rampage. Blood and Guts next week. Moxley versus Tanahashi this Sunday. And then, plus, at Forbidden Door, we're going to see Chris Jericho teaming with... Didn't get the whole rundown here, but that was it. That was dynamite. Uh, chaotic, you know, closing uh, thing. Um, I thought it was a cool visual too, you know, of Moxley staring in, in, at Tanahashi and vice versa. I thought it was cool for maybe about like 30 seconds max. Not what it went five, like, it was like five minutes. Um, dude, after like they, they ended at that, the match ended at five two, and they're pretty much on each other face to face for the whole final five minutes. I think I just saw a, a, a tweet from somebody saying that they're still looking at each other right now in the middle of the ring. This was awkward, okay? It got to the point where it was very clear that they were just filling time. I'm joking, John. Uh, I didn't see the tweet. I, um, <laughs> But, like, it, it got to the point where they're just clearly filling time to go off air. And you even have, like, Moxley constantly checking for the time cube to see how long I have to look at this guy, you know, in the middle of the ring without doing anything. I was begging for one of them to start throwing an elbow or something just to kind of do something rather than, like, be there super awkwardly in this poorly timed TV segment. So I didn't have the same effect coming off of it. I thought it was super weird. Um but, you know, I, I really didn't mind like the juxtaposition of these two guys who cannot take their focus off. And then there's all this brawling uh, going on around them. But I mean, your, your reasoning is probably right of what the actual reasoning for this was rather than deliberate. Mm-hmm. Forbidden door. Yes. So here's the card. Are you ready? 
as I uh, as I get set for this. Well, so, actually, let's get your thoughts. What do you think of this as a go home show? Um, I thought that there was a there was a ton on this show. Um, I, I think there, there needed some... to be a ton on this show, right? Uh, they, I mean, had, they had so much to announce. There was a lot to announce. That would have been my focus. I think that there was stuff that maybe we we did not need Wardlow's world. And I mean, it's small things, but they add up when you've got a 30 or 60 second promo with Jay Lethal here and a 60 second with Wardlow here. And you're promoting all of this. I'm not super concerned that Blood and Guts is next week. I think coming off the pay-per-view, you have a natural buzz and there is... Like that, Matt, you know what Blood and Guts is, but you could argue you would have rather had another week to do some big promos and and build it for. But that that's the timing that they they lock themselves into uh, with this big show in Detroit next week. I, I would say overall, this build to Forbidden Door, I, I think, has been a very bumpy road. Some of it uh, controllable, some of it uncontrollable when it comes to the injuries. Uh, Danielson, I'm sure, was one that they were just um, crossing their fingers that he could get clearance and waited until they they had to make uh, the call, which they, they have done. So some of that was out of their control. And some of the, the other stuff, I, I just think it's been a, I think that this is one where you can see as, as the fan of promotions working together, that it comes with a lot of pumps along the way of where we get to. I think we're going to get a hell of a show on Sunday, and maybe that's going to be uh, the lasting legacy of this. But I, w- I would say I, I'm a little lower on what I see this one doing uh, buys than I was like three, four weeks ago. I am too. I, I think this is the show where we, you know, we're waiting for that big single match announcement. And I suppose it came it, it instead came in the form of a lot of disappointment, you know, with the way they were teasing this, this Brian announcement, I think had most people believing before, you know, the reports about him being injured had most people believing that he was just simply out here to confirm his participation in both matches. Not only did he come out to say that he wasn't going to be a part of it. He didn't even tell us who the replacement would be. Now um, people can speculate, but I don't know if that necessarily translates to, you know, wanting to pop, pop down however much 50 bucks, however much these pay-per-views are these days, you know, to, to sati- satiate that curiosity. Uh, we also had the announcement of Kazuchika Okada on this card, but it's in the form of a four-way and uh, not in the form of what they originally teased, which was, you know, a singles encounter. Circumstances are totally different now, of course. Um, I think some people may, if they're interested in, in the concept itself, are still going to, you know, decide to make an evening of it with their friends or by themselves and watch this professional wrestling show on a Saturday. Uh, but to me, um, and, and historically, way I mean, we're going back a long time ago. But you know that first invasion pay per view, like it's not like that was the greatest. It was a great go home segment with with Austin showing up to back up the WWF and everything. But I mean, it was you look at that card. There was you know you had an RVD Jeff Hardy match, and then you had this ten man tag. That's really like the big things that stood out on. But it was the concept and the concept of just WWF versus WCW, even. You know, with, you know, those first four weeks of that invasion storyline and where you saw things going and a very weakened WCW side on that main event did a gigantic number. And that tells me like these these interpromotional shows, I don't think we should underestimate the concept and what it means. And the fact that this sold out this this arena without a match announcement, I think that that goes to show you that. Um, maybe we should be a little more optimistic on what people are just going to buy in on the fact that it's promotion versus promotion and um, and that being a strong uh, incentive to buy the show. Let's go through the card. 
So we have for the AEW Interim World Championship, John Moxley taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi. IWGP Heavyweight title, Jay White, Adam Page, Kazuchika Okada, and Adam Cole. All-Atlantic Championship, Malachi Black, Pac, Miro, and Tomohiro Ishii. Women's Championship match between Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm. Winner take all for the IWGP and ROH World Tag Titles. FTR defending against Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn and Rapongi Vice. Will Ospreay defending his uh, non-physical United States Championship against Orange Cassidy. Chris Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara against Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta, and Shota Umino. Zack Sabre Jr. against The Mystery Man. And the Young Bucks, Elfandasmo, and Hikuleo against the Dudes with Attitude. Sting, Darby Allin, Shingo Takagi, and head dude Hiromu Takahashi. Plus the buy-in with the Gun Club and Max Caster against the DKC, Kevin Knight, Alex Coughlin, and Yuya Yumuri. Oh, was that announced as an eight-man? I thought it was announced. Okay, so Billy's in it. Billy's in it, yeah. Oh, I, okay. At least he's on the graphics, so. Oh, uh, then, then he's in it. Yeah, I just New misread Japan it as a veteran Bill, New Japan veteran Billy Gunn. Of course. Um, well, there you go. So that's your card. It's a, it, it is a loaded show that I think it's, it, I think it's going to be a very strong show. Um, but, but I do see this being a AEW show that I have definitely seen uh, more, more of the criticism for, for the buildup and some of it very justified. No doubt the talent that's available for them to choose from is immense. Uh, and, and, and per, per head you know the amount of talent that is on this show is really incredible i think though um there there are rightful criticisms about the the uh, the matchmaking and we can question how much politics played a part in you know the decision to have multi-man matches to have um you know whatever's going on with like uh, what is it the uh, andrade and, and and not being on the show um people like penta and phoenix may be having something to do with uh, you know that whole triple a thing as well um and, uh, you know, it's it's not the card that I think a lot of us were hoping for when they announced the concept. But, I mean, entries, you know, what can you do? Um, I think that it's it'll be a great show on paper. Or, sorry, it'll be a great show in execution. Um, and, uh, yeah, coming out of it, I, 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 I feel like next year, is the show that I think, you know, we'll be looking towards as maybe fulfilling a lot of those dream match qualities. I think they will improve on it. I think also this, this show has to deliver a lot of surprises in the form of, you know, whoever this mystery opponent is for Zack Sabre Jr. In the form of maybe even a Kenny Omega appearance, just to appear, to step into the ring, to stare down one of the people in the uh, IWGP championship match, for instance, or some, some rekindling of like the history I will say, like, this is a show that's kind of ended up feeling more like, you know, um, AEW's version of Global Wars uh, with, you know, just just their, them instead of uh, Ring of Honor kind of assuming that that home role. But the difference is AEW stars are not being overshadowed by New Japan stars. You know, um, it's no, very I, much- I don't think this is going to be a case where like New Japan runs the table. Um, like we saw on, on a lot of those ROH shows. Well, because a lot of those same New Japan stars are now in AEW, right? Um, so it's, it's very balanced. And I would say in many ways, like sometimes the AEW, uh, talent, uh, overshadows the, the new Japan. So as a, as a concept, I think, um, it'll be successful. I hope to see a second version of it this year, unfortunately, a bit plagued by, you know, some injuries. Yeah. Um, the Kenny Omega one is interesting. Like I would say, I, I think like, this is a show that if you wanted to have him do an appearance, this would maybe be the show to do it. Um, 
if you even had just just an update from CM Punk just to get him out there in Chicago. Um, yeah. You know, pos- uh, potential stuff like that, that you, you do have some some angles or news uh, coming out of the show as well. So there you go. That is Sunday. And a reminder that we will be live right after the pay-per-view Sunday night live on this channel uh, with a whole review of Forbidden Door. Um, but there you go. Uh, let's go over to the forum. Let's and- go to some super chats. First of all, John. This comes to us from Carnage Rage, who sends $10. Thank you so much for your support, Carnage Rage. He says, I wonder who Brian Daniels' replacement is going to be. Is it going to be Jonathan Gresham? My thoughts might be Davey Richards. Uh, so a lot of people are suspecting Cesaro. That is the level of star that at least I think. Um, you, you can't do either of those two as as a surprise in Gresham or Davey Richards. Yeah, Uh Certainly not Davy Richards. You know, he's just not visible enough. On, on, he was literally on just revealed as a surprise on last weekend's pay-per-view. Which I thought, like, worked probably for, for that show. But, like, for AEW and New Japan, I feel like you need somebody a bit higher. If it was Gresham versus, you know, Zack Sabre Jr., I think the crowd would be satisfied. But I think a good segment would still be disappointed. Um, it could be him. You know, he's he's in their roster, technically. I, I just, I would have, if it was Gresham, I would have no issue with Jonathan Gresham and Zack Sabre Jr., but I'm mm-hmm. announcing that on TV. I'm not lingering that as a surprise because yeah. you're, you're just, you're, you're impacting Jonathan Gresham, who it's, mm-hmm. it's unfair to put him in that role when you're going to have, uh, five days of people speculating and hoping for someone of a level of a Cesaro and Gresham comes out and it's, it's such an, unf- it just, it puts that match in the position where it now has to overcome, uh, I think, fan, fan expectation being so high and then getting into a, what could be a really great match. So I just, I couldn't imagine building him up as your big surprise. I agree. And finally, we got a Jake from the Windy City who sends 225. Thank you for the support, Jake. He says Excalibur is pro wrestling's David Croft. Okay. I'm not familiar with David Croft. I will Google him right now and hope that. Uh... Well, you do that, and I will kick off our feedback from the forum. Oh, he's uh, the F1 the F one commentator, of course. Okay, Crofty. Yes. Let's go to Eric from Cork, Ireland. That was a terrible show. I have no idea why anyone would be excited for a pay-per-view with this build. Apart from Jay White, we haven't heard from anyone from New Japan about who they are or why they want to be in any of these matches. The angle for the main event was Moxley and Tanahashi looking at each other while a bunch of guys... Half of whom are not on the pay-per-view. Half of whom are not on the pay-per-view? I think they're all on the show. I think they're all Like the Jericho match. Appreciation Society guys oh, okay, are not. Okay. But I mean, you're also yeah. kind of, you know, you were, you were also like, that also doubles as your blood and guts set up for next week, too. And that's criticism in, in of itself, isn't it? The fact that they're trying to shove so much into the one thing. They have Okada in a four-way where the main focus is whether Adam Cole and Jay are friends, and they didn't even bother to announce the match until there was 20 minutes left to go on the go-home show. What exactly am I supposed to be excited about? The concept, you know, the ability to see New Japan uh, stars and AEW stars in the same ring together. Um, They could have done a better job, I agree. I mean, in both the matchmaking and the setup. Um, I I honestly do believe, like, this card is getting more... um, negativity than I think is really warranted. I think if you're just looking at this card, like I, I see a really great show, but I, I think it's the, the overall uh, a buildup to it um, is what, what people have the issue with. I don't think the end product is going to be um, oh, th- yeah. that. Like this show, you, you look at it, you this looks hit, like a really great show on paper. Well, you can hit the randomizer with both of these rosters and come up with an incredible card. 
But I, I think when you put out the concept of a New Japan AEW co-promoted show called Forbidden Door, you're putting a lot of projections into, into people's minds of their dream scenarios. And how many of those dream scenarios have they necessarily hit on? Uh, and again, it, it sounds like you, you wanted a lot more kind of like one on one matches where there yes. would be wins and losses would be yes. consequential. Yes. yes. I think yes, that's absolutely. a very fair criticism for, for a show like this where you you don't want to have outs. You want to have like a Moxley Tanahashi and and more of those. I, I, I don't think you get those top to bottom, but I think you do want to have like three of those. And Danielson mm-hmm. Zach would have been one of them. And, you know, it's and and maybe there's the argument that you if let's just say you have a Cesaro. I think you could have spent that first segment building that up. So that is one of those matches going into Sunday. Like, man, we're getting Cesaro's first non WWE match since, since he left the company. It's mm-hmm. against Zack Sabre Jr. And we've got, you know, it's not several weeks, but we at least have several days to anticipate this and look forward to it. I, I agree. Like the more I think about it, the more I, I feel like why they wouldn't announce Cesaro if it, if that is indeed the name. And if it's not the name, then God help them, because I think they're, they'll be facing way more backlash. It has um, to be at an and, and who is out there that is at that level that it will be accepted as like, I don't know, Sasha Banks. Sasha sure. Banks versus Zack Sabre Jr. Sign me up. That match sounds awesome. But um no, if it is Cesaro, like would there not be more like would you not dominate control the narrative a little bit better coming off of this show about you know how pe- how much people are looking forward to this pay per view if you have Cesaro's AEW debut match happening this Sunday to look forward to rather than maybe we don't know somebody else. Yeah, I I, I think they're putting a lot of um, stock into the idea of the mystery, and I. And and I think part of that is that when they when they did it real big was teasing that mystery that turned out to be Christian on the pay per view, and you had a combination of that mystery and the Moxley um, Omega the the barbed wire death match that did a really good number, and I think they attributed a lot of that to the surprise and feeling that that will help late late buys at, at the end and. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to say if that's the right call or the wrong call when you don't know what the surprise is going to be. Mm. Uh, well, here's some dissenting opinion here from Johnny Sanchez, who says, I love this episode. I actually can't think the last time a Dynamite had a show where I loved every segment. They put on fantastic matches, especially that trios match. I hope Ozzy Oak can do a run in AEW past Forbidden Door. Well, it's great to have Okada. I was hoping for a singles match, but beggars can't be choosers. Okay, I know some people may say Christian's promo might be tasteless with bringing in Luke Perry's death, and I won't argue with what they don't like, but I love this Christian. Reminds me of TNA Christian's coalition era, which is what got me to watch TNA. No Tonko, but Luchasaurus can work in that role, I guess. Oh, the new the new Tonko here in Luchasaurus. The so problem question, solver, Luchasaurus. So question, do you put the interim title on Tanahashi knowing he has to do G1 and lose some matches as well? Or do you go the safe route and put it on Mox? I just don't see the point of going to the extent of introducing an interim title because someone is not around for the time being that we're going to put it on someone that's not going to be around for the time being. And who could come back with like, I mean, G1 is not easy. It's like, you know, and then we're talking about Tanahashi who's already beaten up. So yeah, I don't see it happening. And Tanahashi is probably going to like be a 500 guy in the, in the G1. Like I don't see like, yeah. th- there's always like the chance that you could, do more with Tanahashi, but he has been scaled down from that. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't think it's um, the wrong call at all to put it on, on Moxley. I think you want to have your, your champion in Punk's absence. So um, 
yeah, that, that to me, I, I really don't see the argument for Tanahashi winning it. He's already but, cutting promos about like you know being the greatest in the world, and you that is a headlining bout right there for All Out. You know, if Punk is healthy. I mean, to to be quite honest, and I don't know if they could have that, um, that kind of confirmation of when Punk is back. But if they felt strongly enough, that's a hell of a closing scene. Mm-hmm. Is Moxley, and then in Chicago, Punk comes out, and yeah. we're probably going to get the announcement on Sunday of where All Out is going to be. Mm-hmm. And if you go off the air with Moxley holding up that interim title, and Punk comes out in Chicago unexpected, and that's your match to build all summer to, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a hell of a main event to have for September. Yeah. Brian from New Jersey, I feel the build to Forbidden Door has been their weakest pay-per-view build yet, with too much held off until this final week, and of course a lot relying on a different company that also holds off on revealing full cards for big shows. Still, I thought tonight's Dynamite was pretty exciting with a number of hot matches to take in and Christian Cage's best promo in years. I still intend to watch Forbidden Door because it has some matches I'm willing to pay to see. Some I think might be undervalued going in. I have to think Daniel's replacement slash newest Blackpool combat clubber is Claudio Castagnoli. If it's not, I just hope it's not Johnny Blackpool. Did Johnny you watch him as uh, Johnny Hardy on Triple Mania? I did not. No. How was Johnny Hardy? It was, uh, I mean, he just played Jeff Hardy. Was it a good impression? Um, moving on. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he did do it as a heel. So, I mean, for that reason, it, it did kind of work for, for that reason. But, uh-huh. um, uh, but that was one where, yeah, they, they kept it as a mystery until the, the show itself. So, mm. anyway. Noah from Vaughn says, this show was awesome. Man, I love the back and forth here of discourse between our our feedbackers. Um, This show was awesome. The six-man tag was incredible, and they did a really good job hyping up the show on Sunday. Looks to be a stellar card, even with the noticeable absences. Really appreciated the build to the interpromotional show, not having guys forget about their feeds for a month, and instead wearing T-shirts of the brand and fighting for brand supremacy. Any titles you think change hands on Sunday? Yeah, certainly. I th- I think you could have a, a case. Well, one where of you- them has to because they're uh, the ROH and IWGP are being uh, held by the same people. Right, right. I mean, I mean, you could have um, FTR retain, but then they would win the IWGP tag. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah so that that one is guaranteed. You're guaranteed to get your All Atlantic champion uh, cu- coming out of this. I, I think you would want to switch something and maybe. Um, I don't know if I see Orange Cassidy being that guy, for instance. I don't see the IWGP title changing. Not a chance How about Rosa on that and one. Storm? Possible. It, it doesn't feel like it's a big focused match on, on this show that I, mm. I don't know. Like, that is one thing. For all the titles that they have, outside of the TNT title run, that aside, they don't typically trivialize title changes. I think that's yeah. why the TNT stuff really was, like, irritating to people because as many titles as they've had – they do try to spread out your title changes and make them meaningful. And I would just see the women's one. It almost feels like a show where this is um, not going to be necessarily something all, all that remembered uh, coming out of it. I think Rose is just, just still just getting, getting started with her run as, as well. So I think it's a big title defense for her, but I, I don't think she, she drops it either. Yeah, really. Um, outside of the take team titles, like I, I'm not so sure if we have other changes technically the last word goes to benjamin there was a fan sign at the opening of the show it read gatorade should be thicker i actually noticed this 
This isn't necessarily a thought or or opinion on the show, but the idea of Gatorade being thicker is something I find very disturbing. AEW really needs to cut down on the crowd shots of people on their phones. Danielson's promo was decent. I appreciate the flaccid crew of Coxman line. Yeah, thicker Gatorade would be gross. What, I, what, would, what would it taste like? Like what 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 consistency of of liquid are is this person suggesting? Like like what is a thick liquid? Let, like imagine it more of like a smoothie almost that you're drinking. Ooh. Of Gatorade, yeah. No, that's, that's not good. There has to be something that's a bit more. Uh, yeah, I can't. I, I hate. I hate Gatorade. And it was when when I was younger. Um, I was on my cross country running team in like second or third grade, and it was always like everyone bought Gatorade. It was like the cool drink to have. And one of my friends was like, "You know what they put in Gatorade?" It's like, "No, what? They put sweat into Gatorade." It's like, "Oh, that's really gross." I'm never going to drink Gatorade again. And that's always been one of those things stuck in my head. So that's kind of what I think of with Gatorade. Gatorade's a gross drink. It really is. Um, so so you took some little kid's idea of, I don't know, some prank, and it, you've kept it with you your whole life. We're going to get sued now on this podcast because Gatorade's going to – Coke is going to sue us for saying that they're sweating their drink. That's right. That's right. Uh, we'll probably get a claim on this video. I- I'm not saying it's true. And it's just something that was always stuck in my head afterwards. It's like I would drink Gatorade and I'd think of like sweat being in this. It's like uh, it-, it wasn't a pleasant tasting drink to begin with. And now I've got something that I don't want to associate with it being in the drink, too. So I was like, I- you know what? Water's water is very underrated. I don't hear too many people ever say, you know, it's a great drink. Water. It's water. Awesome. I love water. I can have it any time of the day. It's the first thing I have when I wake up. It's great. Water is very good. But, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Gatorade. If you like it, that's fine. I don't think it needs to be thicker. You know, I think I think it's fine. Like you, Maybe it should be thinner. Can it be thinner? Like what, I don't know. Air? Like, like, like water. I mean, is Gatorade not as thin as water? I don't know. What I don't are know. we talking about here? Okay, we're done. It's this is what Benjamin's be introduced to us. You know? Look at this time. Look at this time. We, we've gone way too long on this show. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, one more super chat here from Hanzi, who sends $7. Thank you for the support, Hanzi. He says, you think it would ever be possible for Edge to show up down the line in AEW and him and Christian have one last run in a tag team prioritized company? I mean, of course it would be possible. Like, every contract comes to an end, and then he has to make a decision. And, and I don't know when his contract is actually uh, up, but it was... It was like mid-2019, I believe, that he had signed that. It was like right around, wasn't it, like the Toronto SummerSlam where he did the spear on, on Elias? It was somewhere in there. He Because they went over it on that, whatever it was, a 24 or something like that in uh, on the network. Yeah, yeah he, like it's it's totally possible. And I would think that, I mean, AEW was interested in him then. And I'm sure if, if he came due and he wanted to uh, seek his options elsewhere, I'm sure there would be interest. For the both of them, if they continue their careers, I mean, the ability to... I, I would hope that both of their contract terms are near each other's because I think the ability to promote or at least tease some sort of Edge and Christian reunion is should be a big deal for any professional wrestling company. Now, um, it probably means a whole lot more to AEW than it does for WWE. Well, they had the option and they didn't want it. They put Christian in the Rumble and he yeah. wasn't signed. You're right. You're right. So it means they actively did not want it. <laughs> So yeah, you can't say every wrestling company because one actually did not want it and let and introduced them in a huge return and let them walk. 
great point. Absolutely valid point. But I think it means a whole lot to AEW and Edge's value to AEW if, you know, Christian was still there and they could promote that. But Edge is somebody who I could see, you know, being in a perfectly fine spot where WWE might be the better option. You know, they still see him as a top star. They're going to push him as one of the main draws on Raw. Um, and, uh, you know, like they're probably paying him really well. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends his career there. All right. Thanks, Anzi. Thank you for the super chat. And thank you to everyone that tuned in live tonight. We are going to be back on Thursday live at 1 p.m. Eastern time for the post daily news show. We will be going through all the latest news. And then, of course, live Friday night for patrons at Rewind to SmackDown. 11 Eastern will be live. And again, Sunday night right after Forbidden Door. Is there anything you want to mention, Way? MCU later tomorrow. MCU later. Ms. Marvel, if you're watching the show, leave some feedback. If you're a patron at Post Wrestling, uh, forum.postwrestling.com and uh, sign up to the Post Wrestling Cafe. You get a bunch of bonus shows, including all of our MCU later reviews. Rewind to SmackDown and Rampage this coming uh, Friday night, of course. You can tune in live or after the fact in archive form. Ask Away, that was just released. And then Sunday, live or at least uh, uh, live for everybody, actually, is our Forbidden Door review. If you're a double double ice cap or espresso patron, we're going to open up the phone line so you guys can get your thoughts in. Uh, in person or at least on video or vo- through a video um, voice. Does that make sense? That is, video it, voice. Yes. I got it all down here. Okay. Thank you, everyone. We'll chat with you on Thursday. Good night.